Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Show your good side to the world and get rewarded. Become a plasma donor at Griffles and receive up to $800 your first month. You'll help save the lives of millions of patients. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. this opens welcome to mlb daily your one stop shop to daily baseball content i am l j lafura alongside me i've got brandon Karam. we are a belly up sports podcast we are what they aren't and yes depending on how much brandon chooses to leave in i know we can't leave all of that in but i completely Forgot how I've been opening this show for the better, the majority of the last 100 some odd days. It's okay. Uh, we all have a lapse of judgment here and there. We certainly see quite a few baseball plays uh, during the week, during the day, whenever, whatever time frame you want to use, where players certainly have a lapse in judgment. So, uh, not a lot of worries there, but LJ, we have a lot of stuff we want to talk about on today's show. We're yeah, gonna- Brandon, I believe it is, um, of course, just like last week, I think it's time to talk about our ball- about balls again. Not necessarily our balls, but the balls of the major league. Yes, uh, the hot topic, in case you missed it, uh, the sticky stuff is <laughs> coming back. It's It's... Uh, hitting the news cycle. It is whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, I don't think that I made a very bad pun there, but um, yeah. So basically, the MLB came out today and said that they're going to be instituting ten day suspensions for foreign substance use. Uh, They said after an extensive process of repeated warnings without effect, 
gathering information from current and former players across the sport, two months of comprehensive data collection, listening to our fans and thoughtful deliberation. I have determined the new enforcement of foreign substances is needed to level the playing field, Commissioner Rob Manfred said. Uh, so umpires will be instructed to check each pitcher multiple times for starters uh, for both teams. Position players can also be ejected and suspended for foreign substance use. Uh, if you're a position player and you feel the need to use some sort of sticky stuff on the mound, uh, you care about your stats way too much. But uh, look, I how, mean, how else do you expect a shortstop to get a good throw over to uh, first base? It's all about that fastball. Uh, what do you call it? The uh, fastball spin rate. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, the big note here is the substances that are banned. Uh, it is everything. And it says, uh, as expected, pitchers are still permitted to use rosin bags on the mound, but are prohibited from intentionally combining rosin with other substances, uh, example, sunscreen, to create additional tackiness. Non-player personnel who encourage or facilitate players using foreign substances uh, are subject to, to discipline, including fines or suspensions. Uh, LJ, this will all come into effect June 21st. So the league is basically saying, cheat as much as you want for the next five days. Uh, and then we got to start taking this serious. Uh, yeah, LJ, what's, what are we thinking about this? And then we can get into the glass now stuff. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't be happier with this decision. It couldn't come soon enough. Brandon, I know you're upset with the mixing rosin and sunscreen. For those of you who haven't looked too much into that, it has very, very little effect on the movement of the ball. Like, it gives grip to the ball without increasing spin rate. So it is by far the most, the le- or not, not most, uh, having a rough night, uh, least harmful substance that is currently used on the mound is the rosin and the sunscreen so in itself i don't really care if that's used however i fully understand why they got rid of it because these pitchers are acting like children with the fact that they're cheating i mean again i know i understand and i i not blaming them because this has been part of the game for so long however they're going to take every single step that they can we finally got into the breaking point where They've taken so many steps over the line that the man, the commissioner finally has to send them to their room. So overall, I think the way that you're able, best way you're able to combat this is to go extra, fully knowing that they're going to find a way around you. Like if they if they added if they allowed the sunscreen and the rosin, not only are pitchers going to be all using the sunscreen and the rosin. But the ones that want to cheat are going to find a way to just tweak slightly and push past that. Whereas if you don't allow any of it, then at least what you're able to, what these guys are able to get away with will probably be something close to what the sunscreen and rosin do. As for the suspensions, I think this is by far the best way that they could have done this fairly because with the way that it's been in the game for so long, it's not something like I'm, 
I'm asking people to lose their money, like lose their paychecks over. The fact that it's suspension without pay or with pay, I think is fair because a lot of this is going to come down to the overall team strategy and the team enforcing this more than the umpires. Because you have now with these guys, they're suspended for 10 days and they're suspended with pay. So you have to pay them for basically two starts that they wouldn't be getting in even more time if you're a reliever and you can't replace them on the roster is what I had heard. So that's a 10 days worth of a roster spot on that roster, which gets moved around enough because of pitcher health and pitcher rest as it is to be losing a spot is huge for a team, especially in the middle of the season. So these teams will be watching, I think, their pitchers like Hawks to make sure that they don't get any of these suspensions. Because not only will it be a bad look for the team to be one of the first suspended, but they're going to be kind of screwed. Like that, that's 10 days without a spot. That's 10 days without one of your better players in a lot of situations. And that's 10 days you have to pay somebody for doing a whole lot of nothing. It hurts the team enough to make them stay, want their players out of it. Yeah, uh, I certainly think that guys are going to not even think about this anymore, especially, uh, you know, the ones who have been using it egregiously and for however long. I mean, look, it's good that it's coming to an end uh whether or not you know doing it in the middle of a season is you had to do it at some point like you had to do it at some point but like leave it to the mlb to just like actually change the rules change one season. of the rules uh in the middle of the season i mean they are the only sport who would ever do something like this it's just rob rob manfred I, I'm, I'm not sure like if just like when he took over, like, I don't know. They they make this seem like that it's been this big open secret for so long. Well, then how come all of a sudden now? Is, is it because now everyone is, is a, using crazy stuff? Because from what I've heard and from what I've read, guys have been using like these crazy substances. I mean, basically forever. You think about the beginning of baseball where guys were throwing spitballs and stuff like that. And guys were like rubbing moonshine on the ball and rubbing whatever, you know, it's like guys for the, for the entire history of the game have been trying to alter the ball out there on the mound one way or another. I mean, there's the famous clip of Phil Negro who had a thumbtack taped to his, to his hand and the ump came out to check him, and he went to wipe the sweat off of his hand or off of his his forehead and forgot that he had the thumbtack on his hand and sliced his head open like and then the ump's like oh well you're also ejected from the game even though you just sliced your head open but no like my my point is that we've had foreign substance use on the mound for so long that you know it's really tremendous that we're just stopping it all right now uh and it's going to be an interesting game. You know, we're going to have to see if the offensive numbers go up uh, in any way. Uh, they already I, have. 
They already have, but I'm interested because now the MLB said, you know, you have till June 21st or whatever. Like, guys are certainly going to be be using it between now and then. I mean, you would have to imagine, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone's going to be like the Gorilla Glue Girl from oh, – what was it? Was that last summer or last fall? The yeah, girl, where she put Gorilla it Glue is hair gel. Yeah. You tried to sell, sue Gorilla Glue. Um yeah, they're, they're going to go open season here, but I guess to answer your kind of question there about the fact that every, there's been cheating like this forever. Yes, there's been cheating like this for a very long time, and no one really cared until it actually started, I feel like, to affect the game. Like, the pr- and the proof, the proof I have there, first off, is you cannot deny that spin rate has increased over the past... Oh, no, yeah. ...X amount of time. Trevor Bauer figuring out, well, not Trevor Bauer, but, you know, the guys at uh, Driveline, you know, whether it's Kyle Body, whoever, figuring out that spin rate was more important than pitch velocity. I mean, that changed the game. It completely changed the game. And, yeah, so there, so by extension of that, as guys started to increase their velo- or, um, pitch movement, pitch spin, with these substances and in general, the game got a lot hard. It got a lot harder to hit. So it went from guys using foreign substances that had moderate effect to having severe effects. And then the other thing you have to think about also is velocity, because sure, some of these guys were increasing their spin rate in times past. However, with that same thing in th- in mind, keeping that in mind. The, the average velocity was also lower. So those two things are going to balance out a little bit. Like if, if a guy's pitch is, a pitch is moving more than other guys, at least you're not going to be throw, seeing 100 miles an hour with the same movement all the time. You're seeing 98 back. Who knows how long? I'm not really sure what the math is for the average. But yeah, that I think makes a huge change to the game in that regard. So, I mean, it was really, it was either this or Rob Manfred continues to put his uh, ridiculous rules in the minors so they can work their way up. I mean, next thing you know, he's going to make it a run if you get to third base, two if you get home. Just anything, anything, anything oh, to get scoring up. I feel like that's the rate he's going. Uh, I would certainly hope not. Well, uh, run, let's... run at third base 2028. Mark my words. <laughs> I warned you all. <laughs> All right, let's get into this Tyler Glass now stuff. So, Ray's starter Tyler Glass now has hit the IL. We're gonna have to do an injury update at some point uh, this week. So we've been a <laughs> lot been of saying that names. for like four weeks. <laughs> well, now there's actually a lot of big names on the IL, but so yeah, Tyler Glass now hits the IL with a partially torn UCL and a flexor tendon strain today. And he feels that the MLB's choice to finally enforce the foreign substance rules on the books is a contributing factor to his injury. Uh, In advance of MLB's new enforcement policy, a glass now ceased usage of sunscreen, changing the grips on his fastball and curveball. Uh, And he said, quote, do it in the offseason. Give us a chance to adjust to it but I just threw 80 something, 70, whatever innings. And then you told me I can't use anything in the middle of the year. 
I had to change everything I'd been doing the entire season, everything out of the window. I had to start doing something completely new. And I'm telling you, I truly believe that's why I got hurt. Me throwing a hundred and being six foot seven is why I got hurt, but that contributed. I'm just frustrated that they don't understand how hard it is to pitch one, but to tell us to do something completely different in the middle of the season is insane. It's ridiculous. There has to be some give and take here. You can't just take away everything and not add something. Pitchers need to be able to have some sort of control or some sort of grip on the ball. And I don't want this to happen to anyone else. I don't want a fastball to sail away and hit someone in the face like it already has. I mean, look, this is like, first of all, I feel terrible for Tyler Glass now for suffering this injury and what kind of impact this is going to have on Tampa uh, is yet to be seen. I mean, we don't know how long uh, Tyler Glass is going to be out. He could potentially have Tommy John surgery, like partially torn a UCL and this flexor tendon strain. It's not the best combination of injuries to have, but everything I've heard just to uh, interrupt real quick, Keith, but everything I've heard, again, this is nothing from team sources. This was just injury, um, like people with prior injuries of similar nature. Like if he's able to come back, the odds are it would be like mid to late August November, or September is a more of a likely timetable is what I'd, I'd heard somewhere. I'm not sure again where. So take this all with a grain of salt. But then – of course, you have the op- possibility also that this rehab doesn't work. Like, I mean, again, they have not they have not ruled it down to that timetable of late August or never, but it could easily be something completely different that we are not really sure of right now. But that seems like the most likely thing, which would have a huge impact on Tampa. Well, uh, it would. It's going to have a, a huge impact on them because he has been so good this year, but uh, for him to be blaming this new substance enforcement policy on his injury is quite frankly insane to me. I mean, look, you're basically saying I cannot pitch without cheating. And there's LJ. I think it's fair to say it's more than fair to say that there are pitchers who don't use anything to to help mm-hmm. them grip the ball. Because there's oh, pitchers who have come out and said, I don't use any sort of substance whatsoever. And for Tyler Glass to just come out and just be like, look, I, I need to use a substance or I'm not going to be able to grip the ball. I'm going to get hurt. It's It's pretty strange because I feel like when he was in high school, when he was in college, when he was in, all right, maybe not the minor leagues, but you didn't have like this, this kind of sticky stuff. Oh, on the contrary, you didn't have this kind of sticky stuff, but you had something like a lot of these guys, I'm sure have picked it up through the travel scene, college. Certainly. I think yeah, college, you would, you'd certainly be able to find something or you pick up something from a coach or a teammate. All right, well, then that, like that, that helps helps better suit my point. Yeah. You cannot pitch without having to cheat, without yes. having to use something. Exactly. You cannot say that, like, 
the fact that I, if I don't cheat, I'm going to get hurt. That is not a thing. Also, just the way you, not, not you reading it, but reading the statement aloud, this, this statement are rivals a new hope Luke Skywalker in whininess. <laughs> like he literally is just whining about the MLB hurting him the entire time. Cause they basically taken away his toys and he doesn't like it. Yeah. And look, and I get it. He's pissed. Like he just got hurt. He knows he's going to be out for a while. He has every right to be absolutely mad right now, but to take, especially, your- especially seeing Tampa will do anything and everything to take arbitration money away from him and injuries will help their case. <laughs> oh my God. They are. Ju- All right. Well, no, I shouldn't say that they are jumping up and down. Cause this is like a huge hit to oh, their- this. This will say we, we were just discussing this team as a world world series favorite. And then arguably their only great pitcher of start in terms of like starter, their only great starter is now gone for a better part of the season. Rich and Hill had two of them or three of them to begin with. Rich One of them Hill, like forty-five. Yeah, I think I think that a Rich Hill is going to be the forty-one-year-old ace. So I'm excited for that. But yeah, you know, just weird stuff with with Glass now here with the injuries. But um, um, I actually have another thing that I wanted to bring up here that came through today, as you know, every other pitcher in the league whines and just further helps the league, I think, because you've got um, Tyler Glass now here who is absolutely pissed and is going to whine and complain at while he's hurt. And then I'm not sure if you saw it, Brandon, but Carlos Rodon started tweeting about it earlier. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down... The likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Oh, I did not know. Carlos Rodon takes things a step further and the league office is probably jumping up and down right now because he says enforcing these rules in order to take cheating out of the game when the Astros players didn't get any form of punishment is absolute BS. Wow. It, it, it took, it took us probably six hours, maybe less for people to start complaining about the Astros after this rule was announced. Like, LJ, me and you were at the Yankee game, and Marwin Gonzalez hits a game-tying home run, like, right near us. And the next batter, the fans are chanting, F Altuve. Like, are you kidding me? This guy just tied the game up in, you know, the... 
Well, to be fair, I I will say that's the reason, for whatever reason, Houston lives rent-free in everyone's head now, so... Yeah, well, I, I will I will also say that that is one of the reasons that Marwin Gonzalez doesn't rank higher in my favorite Red Sox players on this team list. Again, I'm a, I'm a Marwin fan because of the defense, not anything of the 190 batting average he's bringing to the table offensively. But it's staggering when you look at his 2017 numbers and then you go and look at the trash can study. I don't remember who did it. But there's a website online if you look up. Signstealingscandal.com or something like it. Yeah, signstealingscandal.com has this Astros fan who was mortified basically went through every single foot, uh, every single video of every single game that he could find and recorded when he heard the trash can and recorded the results. So, and basically what happened was Marwin Gonzalez led percentage wise in just about every single category in favor of the trash can so it's it's not a great look on him and he probably does deserve to get a little more crap than he does however with that said this is exactly what the league wants they want people to start blaming the astros they want people to start arguing back and forth between these pitch these uh hitters the hitters who rightfully want to hit, they want better numbers, so they're all for that. Most of them are going to be for this to an extent. And then you've got the pitchers who 80% of them are going to be livid about this. You're going to basically drive the union in half right before this offseason's negotiations. I don't want to say this was a calculated play, but if it was, this might be the best play that any league has made ever. You know... It would not surprise me if the owners went this far to like do this just so that they can avoid or just so that they can have the upper hand in this next CBA. I mean, I, I'm all for it. I mean, if it's 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 within their power, this is a thing that I'd the rather owners... see the players have the power, but I mean, it's it's whatever. I, mean, I, if, I, I think the, the players. players did... Players need to, be- to get something more out of the CBA. If they don't, then they're in they're in big trouble. And and they will. However, with that, I'm sure they're certainly going to get more than they have. However, all all league union trade union disputes really need to come to the middle, or else the product is going to hurt. I mean, let's look at let's look at the NBA who has been floundering largely because the league has no control over its product anymore. It's entirely in the hands of the players. If they, if they had stood their ground a little more at some point, maybe, maybe Adam Silver does have a little more control over the league. And so I think anything that the owners can do to kind of just take back from players completely steamrolling everybody, because everyone wants to take their side. I'm I'm there for. I mean, I just I, I want to see a fair fight. I, I just want to see a fight is what I want to see. And this is one of the more legal cheeky things that leagues have done. I mean, it's not like they're rigging their draft lotteries or rigging their playoffs or I'm not sure what else of the NBA I can make fun of. But um, yeah, no, this NBA is just like, and NHL like both are pretty much the same thing where it's like the regular season means absolutely nothing. 
the first round of, and then the the playoffs are the only real entertaining part of the sport. It's just too long of a regular season and the playoffs are the only interesting part. Meanwhile, well, at least the NBA has made the off season. The, oh, off, yeah. the off season's more interesting than the regular season. It's playoffs yeah. off season is the real season of the NBA. But again, I just this I know this isn't a basketball podcast and we can get back to the whole Rodon Astros infighting within the players already thing after this. I can't believe just how many times they've managed to like it's at least like five documented times where people are like 90% sure that they've rigged where teams fell in the lottery. And just no one really calls them out on it. I think it's hilarious. Well, we're about a half an hour in, so let's get uh, through these games so we can Ooh. touch on the Ooh. National League Awards. Uh, LJ, uh, you are starting us off. Yep. All right, we got the Rays and the White Sox. The Rays, who basically just got kicked in the crotch by the injury diagnosis to their ace and things did not go much better tonight the white Sox got on the board in the bottom of the fourth with a danny mendick two rbi single and then the bottom of the fifth adam engel homered his third of the year to make this a three nothing ball game which will be your final the win will go to dallas keiko who threw a very very solid game here going seven innings allowing four hits no runs one walk and five strikeouts. The loss goes to Shane McClanahan, who went five innings, allowing seven hits, two earned runs, and four strikeouts. The save goes to uh, Liam Hendricks. But, Brandon, am I correct in saying that's one of his few actual starts this year? Who's that? Uh... McClanahan? Yeah, he, you know. He usually gets used to the follower, right? Yeah, either that and they've been really careful with him only only letting him go like not more than four innings. Yeah, exactly, which means like I mean, don't get me wrong, this isn't a bad line. I mean, two earned runs isn't three runs, two earned runs is not a bad day over five innings. Like I'm not going to complain with that if I were a team. However, this is just a byproduct of knowing you're going to be out without one of your major inning guys. Like I feel like if if this whole opener bullpen thing works effectively, you still do need a couple of guys that can take you deep. And they've been pretty much riding three of them over the over the year. And if they don't have those, if they lose one, do they have somebody who's fully ready to step into that on this team? Yeah, uh, certainly going to be uh, interesting. On to the Phillies and the Dodgers. LA is able to scratch across a run in the bottom of the first. Uh, and then Andrew McCutcheon ties the game in the top of the second with his 11th homer of the year. Bottom four, Zach McKinstry, RBI double uh, to make it 2-1 Dodgers. And then Julio Urias, pitchers who rate ground rule double. LJ, uh, because we're it's going to be a much shorter PPP so we can get to the awards. Uh, I'll talk about Julio Urias right now. RBIs in five consecutive games. Pitchers who rake. That's that that's weird. All right, like 
That's weird to think of because, like, you think those guys probably get two, maybe three at bats if you're a starter. So that three, three is like a stretch. Like if you're going really deep, the odds of you a hitting the ball and B having people in a scoring position five games in a row is that's that, that just, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) No, uh, but he has a ground rule double to make it three, one Dodgers uh, after four. But then Odubel Herrera in top five ties it up on a single. Matt Beattie makes an error in left field uh, to bring home a second run, and we are tied at three. Bottom seven, Mookie Betts steps up and hits a go-ahead home run, his eighth on the season, makes it 4-3 L.A. Betts steps up in the next inning and then collects an RBI single to make it 5-3 Dodgers, the score that they win by. You give the win to Joe Kelly, uh, Julio Urias, who had the start, five and two-thirds, two earned runs and five strikeouts. The loss goes to Ranger Suarez, uh, who is now two and one on the year, and his ERA goes to 0.79. I believe this is one of his the only earned runs that he's allowed in over 20 innings out of the, the, the Phillies bullpen this year. He's been uh, excellent so far. Zach Eflin went five innings, three earned runs, and two strikeouts. Blake Trinan with his third save on the year for LA. All right, next up, we've got the Red Sox and the Braves. And the Red Sox came out firing in the first. They get two runners on Kike Hernandez and Alex Verdugo ahead of Rafi Devers, who sends a piss missile to center field right before a Hunter Renfro piss missile to left, 444 that one, that ball was. Then again, we got the bottom of the third, and the Red Sox extend this to a 5-0 ball game with a Rafi Devers RBI single. From there, Atlanta got themselves on a bit of a run to get back in this one. Bottom of the third, Freddie Freeman has an RBI single, and then in the fourth, they managed to score three runs off of an Abraham Almonte ground rule double and a Ronald Acuna Jr. double, which makes us a 5-4 ball game. But from there, Xander Bogarts goes yard. Hunter Renfro drives in another run to extend this before a blow-up sixth inning, including a sack, sack fly to tie it by Freddie Freeman, makes this a 7-7 ball game. Luckily, in the top of the eighth, Alex Verdugo hits his ninth home run of the year. This one, a three-run piss missile to make this a 10-7 ball game. The Red Sox go on to win this one 10-8. I'm going to give – I have actually two PPPs from this game. One is a missed one from a couple days ago that is worth mentioning. Again, Ronald Acuna, we're going to talk about our top players under 25 at some point in the next couple of weeks. Um. He just he continues to put himself just above Tatis for me at the wow. top of this list, just because in, in a lot of it is the uh your mic is not coming through. I'm not sure why, but um certainly an interesting take to put. Uh, 
Ronald Acuna over Fernando Tatis. Um, yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Um, but what was I saying? Oh, yeah. A lot of it is the speed. And it, it just blows me away every day. In this situation, you've got Ronald Acuna on second base in the bottom of the ninth, a three-run game. And Austin Riley hits this trickler down the third baseline. Rafael Devers is trying with two outs. So, like, he, it's like if you allow this one, you've got the slew of great players behind um, Riley to come up and knock in two runs. Putting a runner on makes this one swing and tie ball game. So he's going hard for this ball. Can't make the grab as it's kind of rolling down in the uh, middle of the field. It was certainly an inf ruled infield hit, of course. But Ronald Acuna comes blowing through third base all the way home on a ball. You know, you weren't even expecting it. And he just, his athleticism just, continues to amaze me even though I should see it coming like I, I would I would love to know how many extra bases he's taken with the ball in the infield this year yeah uh you know I would I hate to rain on your parade but I have seen Tatis do that more than a handful of times not saying that Acuna doesn't also do it a lot but they're both uh incredibly athletic uh and both over their last 162 games very close to a 40 40 pace uh certainly hard to to separate them yeah and you know i this isn't the time to debate that but the only thing i'm going to say on that is you have the incredible privilege of having not just those two but we are doing a great player, a great disservice by not even mentioning Juan Soto yet. I mean, it's a clear top three for me with them. And like the fact that he's not, he hasn't been mentioned yet. He hundred percent should be in the conversation for it. It's just been a lack of production this year that kind of makes you forget about him. But yeah, so that was one PPP. The second PPP is Marlon Gonzalez only got one at bat today or didn't even get an, yeah. One at bat today, um, but this is more about what happened in that blowout the other day against against Toronto, where he came in and pitched in the eighth inning. Brandon, that made it his eighth career position, eighth position played in his career. He is one catching appearance shy from playing the whole field. Wow, that is, yeah, that doesn't surprise me that he is uh, played everywhere else. No, and it just it's something I, I do have to look it up to figure it out, see if it is anywhere. But I'm dying to know who the emergency catcher is on this team now. It's probably like, him. It, it has to be because Chavis was for the past couple of years. Well, he just got called back up, so. Well, yes, but he's not going to be there long term. So there had to be somebody else trained catching for if in the event that there was somebody and Chavis wasn't on the roster. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, we give the win to uh, Hirokazu Salamura. He's now 3-0 and in the year. Eddie, Eddie Rodriguez went four innings long, four earned runs, and eight strikeouts. The loss will go to Chris crying to his mama, Martin, who allowed three earned in that eighth inning. 
Uh, Davidson for the Braves only went two and a third, allowing five earned runs and four strikeouts. All right. Uh, on to the Mets and the Cubs. Uh, in the top of the third, Javi Baez with a two-run home run is 15th of the year uh, to give the Cubs an early lead. In the bottom of that inning, Pete Alonzo ties it up with a two-RBI single, uh, and we are tied at two after three innings. Bottom five, Alonzo steps up and rips a sack fly to give the Mets the lead, and that would be your final three to two. Uh, Taiwan Walker with a fantastic start getting the win tonight. Seven innings, two earned runs, and 12 strikeouts to no walks. Season ERA is now at 2.12. The loss to Alec Mills, four and a third, three earned runs, six strikeouts. And Seth Lugo gets a six-out save, uh, his first of 2021. All right, the next one was not all too competitive here between the Mariners and the Twins. Scoring started in the bottom of the first with a J.P. Crawford solo piece his fourth of the year. And then in the bottom of the second, Shed Long Jr. hit his first triple of the season, which scored three runs with the bases loaded. He'd score later in that inning on a passed ball to make this a 5 nothing game. Among a flurry of other scores, Luis Torrens hit his third home run of the year, and Ty France had his fourth of the year in this 10 nothing Mariners win. Give the win to the strong man, Chris Flexen, going eight innings, allowing four hits, no earned runs, and eight strikeouts. The loss will go to Hap, Foot, and Mouth, who went four innings, allowing nine hits, five earned runs, and five strikeouts. All right. On to the Pirates and the Nationals. This one also not very competitive. Washington putting five up in the bottom of the first. Josh Harrison starts it off with an RBI single. And then Jan Gomes steps up and hits a grand slam. His sixth homer of the year, and it's 5 nothing Nats. Bottom four, Trey Turner, RBI triple to make it 6 nothing. Phillip Evans gets an RBI double home uh, for Pittsburgh in the top of the seventh. But that's the only run they get, and they drop this one 8 to one. Patrick Corbin gets the win. He pitches in the ninth inning. Eight and a third, eight hits, one earned run, seven strikeouts. The loss to Tyler Anderson, who goes six innings, ten hits, six earned, and four strikeouts. Next up, we got the Indians and the Orioles. This one started with Cleveland scoring in the bottom of the first, but the inning that decided this one was the fourth as in the bottom of the fourth, the Indians scored five runs, including lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky, lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. RBI singles from Ernie Clement, Bradley Zimmer, Ahmed Rosario, and then Eddie Rosario double to finish it off and put Cleveland up 6-1. Bobby Bradley also homered for them his third of the year en route to a 7-2 Indians win. Give the win to James Karinshack. Cal Quantrill went four innings, allowing one earned and four strikeouts in this game. The loss goes to Matt Harvey went three and a third innings, allowing five earned runs and two strikeouts. All right. The Yankees and the Blue Jays. Uh, Toronto gets on the board in the first inning with a Teoscar Hernandez sack fly, but then boom, L. Gary with a bomb to left field, his ninth of the year, and we're tied at one. Bo Bichette hits his 14th homer of the year in the third to give Toronto a two-to-one lead. But then Chris Gittens hits his first homer of his career, his first major league hit, and we are tied at two in the fourth. In the bottom of that inning, though, pass ball by Gary Sanchez, which should have been scored a wild pitch. Bo Bichette uh, with then a two-RBI single to make it five-to-two Toronto. In the top of the sixth, uh, Miguel Andujar grounds out. Uh, the Yankees chip away at the lead. It's 5-3. Brett Gardner then steps up at the seventh with a homer. And then Anthony Castro, who had no s- sort of semblance of the strike zone tonight, throws a wild pitch that allows DJ Lemayhew to score. The Yankees tie the game at five. Then in the top of the eighth, the Yankees call on Clint Frazier as a pinch hitter for Brett Gardner. They bring on pinch runner Tyler Wade. They clearly wanted to win the game at this moment. And Clint Frazier comes through with a pinch hit, go-ahead, RBI double, and gives the Yankees a 6-5 lead. They call on the services of Zach Britton for the first time this year. He works himself into a base of the loaded jam and then works himself out of it. And then they bring on a Roldis Chapman in the ninth. He clearly uh, was just, it was just a fault, whatever we want to call it. It was a fluke. That's the word I'm looking for. Back in Minnesota the other night, he comes and slams the door shut. Yankees win six to five. The win to Jonathan Loisega in relief. Now six and two on the year, season ERA down to 1.78. The loss to Tim Miza out of the Toronto bullpen. Hinjin Ryu, six innings, five hits, three earned runs. Jordan Montgomery for the Yankees, five and a third, four earned runs. And Aroldis Chapman picks up his 13th save on the season. Did I hear you correctly that that was Chris Giddens' first hit? First career hit, first career home run. How's how long has he hasn't he been up like three weeks? 
No, like, he's not, been up like a week. He's been up but, like a week, but also like he played. He played in the Red Sox series. He played the last two games of the Red Sox series, and then played. That's a long time. He played two games in Minnesota. He played both games in Philly, and then tonight. Those are some Jared Kleenex numbers. Let's get into this Tigers-Royals game here. And scoring started in favor of the Tigers in the top of the first when Miggy Cabrera hit an RBI single. And then the top of the third, Jonathan Scope smoked his 11th home run of the year out of the ballpark to make this a 3-0 ball game. Kansas City added two in the bottom of the third, but an RBI single by Daz Cameron gave the Tigers all they needed in this game as they go on to win 4-3. to three. Give the win to Casey Mize. He went six and two-thirds of an inning, allowing seven earned runs, or seven hits, three earned runs, three strikeouts. His ERA is now a 3.49. The loss goes to Mike Miner, his fourth of the year. He went five and two-thirds, allowing seven hits, four earned runs, and five strikeouts. The save goes to Soto of the Tigers, his sixth of the year. All right, Reds and Brewers. Uh, this one, we are scoreless into extra innings uh, behind starts from Luis Castillo of the Reds, who went seven scoreless, and Brett Anderson of the of the Milwaukee Brewers, who went seven scoreless, only allowing one hit and one walk. I didn't. I didn't realize Luis Castillo had scoreless innings. Seven of them and only allowed three hits. Looked really good tonight. Well, it's the spider tech. The, the 10th, the Reds load the bases and then Eugenio Suarez gets hit by a pitch. We got ice. We will take that. It's a one nothing lead for Cincinnati. Then they get a sack fly. They make it 2 nothing in the bottom of the 10th. Uh, the the, the Brewers are able to get a run on a Daniel Robertson single, and then there's an error that allows him to advance, but Amir Garrett is able to shut it down, and the Reds win 2-1. to one. Thank you to Rob Manfred. Uh, completely ruined what was an otherwise uh, completely different flowing game, but, you know, uh, it is what it is. You know, uh, both teams combined for six hits, in the in the entire game there was it was just an absolute pitcher's duel and it gets it gets ruined by the extra innings but it's all right lucas sims gets the win for cincinnati and relief the loss to brad boxberger out of the milwaukee bullpen and amir garrett with his third save on the year next up we have the astros and the rangers uh Joey Gallo gets scoring started with an RBI double and then a Joey Gallo walk with the bases loaded in the top of the fifth brings in the next run in favor of the Rangers. But then it became a lot of Astros very quickly. Bottom of the sixth, we get Yuri Gurriel hitting a sacrifice fly to cut the lead to one. And then later in the game, Carlos Correa hits his 12th home run of the year out to right field to tie the game. Nate Lau is able to drive in the Manfred runner in the top of the 10th to make this 3-2. But then Jose Altuve with the bases loaded, bottom of the 10th, 0-1 count, and he 
hits a grand salami to left field to win this one, walking it off six to three. Give the win to Presley of the Houston Astros, who came in for that final inning there in relief for Houston. Lance McCullers Jr. started this one going four and a third, allowing one earned run and three strikeouts. Gibson started this one for Texas, going six innings, allowing one earned run and three strikeouts. The loss goes to Demarcus Evans. Um, Also, quick PPP that I just noticed. Um, Jose Altuve is currently 31 years old. He has 17 bolts, which is top 10. So he's a top 10 base runner in terms of sprint sprint speed, like in terms of straight on speed right now. He's a top, still a top 10 guy. There's only two guys over 30 on the top 10. He's one of them. Yeah. Uh, a, a bolt is like uh, your trying to find fast, the definition. It's like your fastest, what is it, like 30 foot stretch? Uh, a bolt a bolt is any run where the sprint speed as defined as feet per second in players' fastest one second window of the runner is at least 30 feet per second. So basically, wow. Any time that a runner is able to reach 30 feet per second of sprint speed, it's counted as a bolt. So it goes from your sprint speed in like the normal terms of covering that statistic is whatever your very top speed is that year. Like you can, you can get that for one second once, and that is your sprint speed. Whereas with bolt, like, so it's much easier to have a 30 plus foot per second sprint speed than it is to have a lot of bolts because in order to have a lot of bolts, you have to be consistently getting above that. Surprise, surprise, Trey Turner leads bolts by a wide margin. All you right. Can the NL bronze base runner right now. I, I am down for that award. Uh, but the Cardinals and Marlins also gave us another pitcher's duel. Adam Duvall, RBI single on the top of the third to make it one nothing. Cardinals tie it up in the bottom of the sixth with a Paul Goldschmidt RBI single. And then in the bottom of the ninth, the Marlins call on Yimmy Garcia and Paul Goldschmidt ends it early. Home run, walk-off home run. The Cardinals win 2-1. to one. You can give the win to Alex Reyes, who pitched the clean top of the ninth for St. Louis. Yimmy Garcia takes the loss, only faced one batter. Kwang uh, Hyung Kim got the start for St. Louis tonight. Six innings, one earned run, and six strikeouts. Uh, five walks, though. And Trevor Rogers got the start for Miami. Six innings, three hits, one earned, six Ks. Season ERA at 1.98 now. Uh, also, one really quick PPP here. Anthony Bender. Uh, for Miami out of the the bullpen after tonight he's now thrown 17 and two-thirds innings and is not allowed an earned run yet uh he debuted in early May and to start his career 18 outings without allowing an earned run and only eight hits so really impressive stuff from him so far um yes also um is worth noting that today's game against the White Sox ended 
a streak that came, went into the day at 19 and a third innings pitched for the t- entire Tampa bullpen. Scoreless. Wow. Um, of is... course, they, they allow one, one run in there. I can't remember how far it is. Let me look. So, yeah, McClinahan, Springs. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I forgot one of those was unearned. So, McClanahan had three runs come off the board while he was pitching, which means there is still a 22 and a third inning streak going in Tampa. If my memory is correct. All right, then. Uh, Yeah. Next up, we got the A's and the Angels. Justin Upton gets the first run of this game on a single to center field. To speaking of which, fast players, Sky Bolt. And this makes it a one nothing game. This is going to be one of four runs for the Angels today, as in the fifth, David Fletcher singles. And then homers from Shohei Otani and Jared Walsh, their 18th and 15th home runs of the year, respectively, get them to four runs. Unfortunately, that was not good enough to beat the six that the Angels put out there with certainly their share of power hits. Mark Canna had an RBI double. Elvis Andrus had an RBI double. And Sean Murphy also hit his eighth home run en route to this 6-4 to four win. Give the win to Frankie Montas, who went seven innings, allowing two earned runs and eight strikeouts. The loss goes to Andrew Heaney, who went five innings, allowing three earned runs and six strikeouts. And Yusmiro Petit gets the save his second of the year. All right, Padres and Rockies. Uh, San Diego scores four in the first two innings. They get a two-run home run from Fernando Tatis in the top of the first, a Victor Caratini ground out, and then a U Darvish, pitchers who rake RBI single in the second, and it's 4-0 Padres early. The Rockies, though, would come back. Uh, They get a Ryan McMahon triple, Brendan Rodgers single in the fourth to make it 4-2. Then Ryan McMahon with a two-run homer in the sixth, and we are tied at four. Bottom seven, Rymel Tapia, RBI double to give Colorado a 5-4 lead. McMahon with a sack fly, and Colorado has a two-run lead. Tapia once again doubles in the eighth, and then Jonathan Daza with a, with a double of his own. The Rockies take this one 8-4. to four. Give the win to Carlos Estevez out of the bullpen for Colorado. Chichi Gonzalez got the start, six innings, four earned runs. The loss goes to Tim Hill out of the bullpen for San Diego. Yu Darvish, five innings, six hits, four earned, and five strikeouts. And the last game of the night, the Diamondbacks and the Giants. Oh, how I feel for the Diamondbacks. Uh, So they take a seven-run lead after the first two innings. They get runs from a Christian Walker single, bases loaded as Drupal Cabrera walk, and then David Peralta single in the first. And then in the second, they get a Christian Walker double, and then as Drupal Cabrera ground rule double. They're up 7 nothing after the first uh, after the first inning and a half. The Giants, however, get three in the bottom of the second thanks to a Steven Duggar home run. And 
Then in the bottom of the sixth, Donovan Solano single to make it 8-4 after Arizona gets one in the back in the fifth. Jason Vossler with a single of his own. It's 8-5 Arizona now. Bottom eight, Mike Yastrzemski steps up, and he, with the bases loaded, launches a go-ahead grand slam. Mike Yaz. Mike Yaz, go-ahead grand salami to take a 9-8 lead, and the Giants go on to win this one 9-8. to eight. You can give the win to Jimmy Scherfe out of the San Francisco bullpen. The loss goes to Humberto Castellanos out of the Arizona bullpen. And Tyler Rogers picks up his ninth save of the year for San Francisco. LJ, the Giants have, ne- or excuse me, the Diamondbacks have now lost. 12 games in a row. I mean, this is a brutal loss for them. Going up 7-0 and then up by three in the bottom of the eighth inning. And you allow a grand slam. I'm going to give you a little more to laugh at here. Okay. This game was in San Francisco. 21 losses in a row on the road now. This is... All right, I hate this. All right, I don't, all right, this is bad because this is twice this year now where losing streaks have gotten so bad that they went from pathetic to amusing. First, it was Kansas City in their dramatic fall back down to earth. But what, this, they like win nine in a row and then they proceeded to lose like 12 in a row <laughs> after. I feel like it was more than that. Like they got like a two or three game. They got at least like a two game lead in the division and then like, pissed it all away and ended up yeah, below yeah they got swept by the tigers and then it was just game over seasons end when you get swept by the tigers remember that yeah um but yeah this is just i'm sorry but this is comical to the the how bad they have been the best thing that happened to them this year was that love story that ended up that ended in a breakup and their gm uh, stepped away recently because, uh, like, uh, due to a family matter, I believe his wife is is battling some sort of cancer or something like that. Uh, just not a good scene right now in Arizona. And okay, it looks like they're they gonna also be lost great. their play by play announcer and to, to his sensitivity training. Yeah, uh, Bob Bob Bremley, thank you. Uh, and also, we're going to be uh, more than likely seeing Cattell Marte get moved this year, especially with how good he has been playing, even in the Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks' lack of success. So, How much of a disappointment would it be for the Yankees if they didn't get a Marte? I mean, like, people don't realize that, like other teams are gonna want them too. Like it's with the Yankees cannot just be like Yes, but this is the same this is the same logic you went by with the uh Red Sox the other day. How so? you're, you're you're the Yankees. You should just get them. You should just do it. All right, look. If you think that teams aren't gonna want 
Catel Marte. Like, oh, I know they'll want Catel Marte. Even teams that are re- rebuilding should probably still want Catel Marte because like, he's young he, enough to still be within, like, if you're on the growth. Like, if you were Chicago last year and you could get Catel Marte, you do it. I mean, he can play shortstop and center field. Like, who, who wouldn't want that? And he's an elite hitter, like, with elite speed. I just, no, you're right. I think I think Starling might be a more realistic option. Starling is a lot more more uh, of a. He's still really, a huge upgrade, and he's realistic. Yeah, and he can actually play center field. Like that's that's the important thing. Is like we need the. You you need a center you need fielder. a. You need a left-handed leadoff center fielder. Is what you really need. No, we have He's good at baseball. We don't need a leadoff hitter. We have we have DJ. He's turning okay. the corner a bit. Uh Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over eighty casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a. I don't know. I saw some 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 Yankee fans on Twitter saying Judge should hit leadoff, and I was like, all right, like I'm all for putting your best guy second, and you know, not hitting him fourth or fifth like the Red Sox do. But well, we hit our best guy third. Or or okay, yeah, fair enough. It's you have a lot of good hitters, so you you have to put them somewhere. But you know, some yeah, they, teams they basically like decide the to put Scrub first, guy who make contact with just about every baseball that he sees second and then great hitters three through five. Well, the, uh, the Yankee strategy the other day was we're going to hit Rugnetto door third against Aaron Nola. And this is the same player who we pinch hit for after the plate appearance, after he hit a home run in the previous game. We took him out of the game. He did the best thing you can do with the plate. In the next plate appearance, we said, you know, we are going to pinch hit you. And then the next day, we're hitting him third. Third. Are you kidding me? Miguel and Duhar and Gary Sanchez have been crushing the ball lately. And it's a joke because we're hitting someone who's under the Mendoza line third. You know- that's That's the – Wor- that's the worst of the or n- not even the worst of the Yankees problems right now. So Brandon, not- I I feel you there though because I feel like these teams are using some form of number that we're not seeing or we're not valuing yet. Like as the outside collective, we aren't getting what the inside collective is getting. In it's some not form. working. It's 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 not working. It's, it's not either. That's the thing because I'm going to bring up the fact that the Red Sox have had a pretty darn clear leadoff hitter. For a while, Brandon. Let me let me ask you here. It which would you rather have leading off? A guy who only sometimes puts co- consistently competitive at bats. It's either always competitive at bats or never competitive at bats. A guy who is batting under the Mendoza line, or another guy that's batting under the Mendoza line, or a guy that always makes contact with the ball, does not strike out, however, also doesn't walk. 
Which one of those? Guided, probably the one under the Mendoza one. Which one would you actually rather have, though? Oh, no, the guy who's going to be putting the ball in play. Yeah, yes. absolutely. The fact that Christian Arroyo is not the leadoff hitter in every single lineup is an absolute travesty. Did he even make it off the bench tonight? Um, I'm not sure if he played tonight. I don't I'm think sure. he played. Yet you put in another catcher. Oh, because you pinched oh, Randy Santana. Okay. I was like, why would you also play Plawecki? If you no, started, lucky came in for Vasquez mid game. He kind of struggled with some. Oh, stuff. and you guys made a double switch, took out Kike. Okay, I see Alex Corrigan a little bit fancy with the yeah. with the National I, League. I I would be so afraid to legitimately manage that in the National League if I was always an American League manager because like it's so hard to immediately recognize the situations where the double switch should come in. Yeah. Well, LJ, let's get on to these National League awards that I'm very excited to talk about because I think Cy Young is, is like a pretty obvious pick. But other than that, uh, reliever of the year and MVP are both wide open. And yeah, let's jump into this. Do we want to go with in like order of importance or backwards reverse order of importance? So, I know I. I think we can just get the Cy Young out of the way. I mean, we it's can get, yeah. So we're we're both gonna pick Jacob Degrom as and now. Uh, LJ, do you have second and third place? Uh, I do. I'm get. I'm putting my second vote will go to Kevin Gosman. Okay, he's been a monster this year, and then third would be Brandon Woodruff. All right. Ooh, I am credit going- to you was very, you were very high on him this year. I was very high on on Brandon Woodruff coming into the year. Uh, I'm going to go Jacob DeGrom, one. I'm going to go Zach Wheeler, number two. And I'm going to go Brandon Woodruff, three. Uh, Kevin Gosman, honorable mention. Uh, very, very close. He, wow. I, have him ranked at, I, have, I have him ranked ahead of Corbin Burns. Uh, also in contention for the National League, uh, Clayton Kershaw is up there trevor rogers certainly there max scherzer aaron nola uh you darvish have all had good seasons as well uh all right on to the nl mvp so actually you know you know what let's let's do the reliever let's let's do the reliever because the nl mvp there's a lot of talking points and we'll save it for the end uh all right, LJ, for the for these relievers, I mean, there's a couple here that stand out, and they're both in the central with Hader and Kimbrell. Uh, behind them, though, I mean, I, I'm, I'm lost. I mean, I know that Ryan Tapera got the reliever of the month for the Cubs uh, in May. He also got an MVP. He, he also got votes to win MVP in 2020. Uh, however, that was an accident as the voter meant to vote for Trey Turner, but clicked the wrong name. So uh, MVP 18 finished for him in 2020, yet uh, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, what are we thinking for the for these relievers in the NL? Relievers in the NL actually was a fairly easy decision for me. Actually, no. You know, the more I think about it, 
All right. In third, I'm going Josh Hader. Okay. You know, it, it it's a struggle to me because I want to pick people that are like completely not not completely out there, but like not the clear pick. First off, I should I should start by saying saves aren't everything to me. And I don't think no, it should be everything. Again, and actually by that logic, by the same logic we were talking about yesterday with the fact that the win doesn't really say everything about somebody to the point to the extent that people used to use it the save shouldn't mean as much as it does towards reliever of the year a reliever of the year should by no means be restricted to closers it should be opened up to the vast majority of the tampa bay bullpen um but if i go here i think i think josh Hader is my third best reliever in the league this year just a reminder He's got 15.5 strikeouts per nine. He's consistently so far up the that board. It's not even funny. Um, currently has, I believe, what is it? 1.5 wins above replacement as a closer with 17 saves. In second, I have to go with Mark Melanson here. I respect the run he went on to start this year, the run he's still on to lead all of the majors and saves with 19 right now over 27 games, no losses. But that being said, he has not been nearly as dominant as the number one guy on this list. And he hasn't been in what has, hasn't felt like he's been in as high of leverage situations as the next guy and performed as well. My first place is going to Craig Kimbrough. This isn't a matter of bias. This is a matter of just overall facts. You've got a guy who is putting up 14.8 strikeouts per nine innings, which is almost double what the second place man is putting up there. He's he's walking less batters, allowing the same amount of home runs, allowing a low, lower batting average, and everything else is comparable. And war, he's putting it out, blowing him out the water. And even if you just went by eye test, which for me is the ultimate marker for these awards, because you can dive so far into the numbers that you really get things skewed. If you look at eye test and you try to tell me who the best reliever in the national league was this year, the, the tape on Craig Kimbrell tells you the whole story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Here's how I'm going to put them. I'm going to go Josh Hader, number three. Number two, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Edwin Diaz, actually. Ooh. You know what? I'm going to flip uh, those two. I'm going to put Diaz three, Hader two. Uh, Edwin Diaz, the case for him is, look, he hasn't allowed a home run yet this year. He has 13 saves. The Ks per nine is still up there at 12 and a half. He walks less batters than Craig Kimbrell does on a per nine basis. Craig Kimbrell's at 2.96, Diaz at 2.36. And it's just a phenomenal pitcher. I mean, his FIP is at 1.39 right now. In terms of three true outcomes, he controls those very well. And, uh, you know, I think people are starting to realize, you know, he, he, t- he took a lot of crap uh he deserved, he deserved most of it the first he year. He did. 
but he has battled back and is starting to win over the, the fan base. So Edwin Diaz, three, Josh Hader, two, Craig Kimbrell, one for me. But all right, on to the MVP award. Should uh, I lead in or do we want to go three, three, two, two, one, one? Or well, you know, my question is we're if we want to pick Jacob DeGrom, we absolutely can, right? Um, I already did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I will let, you know, I'll, I'll let you uh, go first and then I'll go. I, I have an idea of how I want to go. I'm going to listen to what you do, but I'm, that's not, that's not going to like affect me that much. I, I just want to hear what, what, what you go with. All right. Well, I guess I kind of already spoiled it, but Jacob DeRom is my NL MVP. We were just discussing it last night that this is the most dominant display of pitching that either of us have gotten to see in our lives. Like this is, this has been a guy who probably should be going for his fourth Cy Young this year. But of course, you know, um, Trevor Bauer, puts all sorts of stuff on his fingers and looks like Superman for a year. And faces and the eight worst offenses in the league. Just so happens that the yeah. 2020 schedule allows him to do that. It still was a phenomenal year. Don't get me yes. wrong. I'm not trying to disrespect Trevor Bauer, but I'm just trying to say he was. He awesome. really lucked into it. He was awesome last year. He just could not like, he couldn't put up the numbers that Trevor Bauer was capable of putting up because of the things around him. And he's somehow managed to get better from two two back-to-back Cy Youngs a year off where it was also incredibly good. And then he's so managed to get so much better this year. It's must-watch television. It's some of the most brilliant pitching I've seen. And I just want, I want to see more and more. Um, going back up to three to go back up. Well, I don't know. I don't even, I'm kind of floundering here, but my number three is going to be Tatis with Acuna up at number two. And, you know, it's an incredibly tight race here when I say this, because they've clearly, I think, I think they have been the best two from a pure eye test standpoint. I know what you're going to say, Brandon. What about Nick Castellanos? It's just, all right. Also, the batting average on, on, on balls in play for Nick Castellanos is disgusting. He's got a 414 right now, but that's beside the point. I'm not looking at, I'm not trying to project anything out. When I watch Nick Castellanos play versus when I watch Ronald Acuna and Fernando Tatis play, there is a palpable difference. And the, the way that they're able to affect the game in the positive feels to be more worthwhile to me than in the ways that Nick Castellanos has. Again, I don't look, I don't look too much at the standings when I pick this. However, two guys are usually pulling their teams towards wins when they have to. And it feels like it's Tatis and Acuna more than Castellanos. I honestly, I feel like I'm going to like completely disrespect Castellanos here. However, that's the way I went with those. But one more name I'm going to drop in here because technically, based on my normal rules, he should be the guy I'm picking for MVP is Buster Posey, technically. I am shocked to say this, 
Buster Posey is the only National League player in terms of war to be up there in the rankings that has a positive defensive war right now. Wow. Everyone else is below somewhere. I'm trying to narrow it down to just National League. Well, so that, so that like a number, it's not like your actual war. It's like the amount of runs that you contribute to, to, to your defense. Yes, yes, yes. But regardless, I I want, I I use that as an indicator to kind of just sort out defensive productivity Mm. in an efficient manner. That's how I normally pick my players of the week. That's how I pick my players of the month because I like well-rounded baseball. I do. So technically by those rules, I would have to pick Buster Posey, who is currently seventh in the national league and wins above replacement. However, I decided to decline those rules based on the eye test and went with Jacob deGrom one, Ronald Acuna two, Fernando Tatis three. Also, I did check Ronald Acuna has 13 more bolts than Tatis. All right. Uh, I am going to go with, I'm going to give you a top five because I don't want to do anyone dirty here. You know, we're going to do a top. You're not heartless like me. We're going to do a top six because I really don't want to do anyone dirty. All right. Uh, Number six, Max Muncy uh, has been killing it lately. Walks a crap ton. uh, Plays first, second, and third base. It's been really good. Number five, Jesse Winker. uh, Really good hitting numbers. Not good in the field whatsoever. Number Um, four. Yep. For those of you who don't know, a crap ton equates to roughly 18.9%. For walk percentage, yes, for Max Muncy. Uh, yeah, uh, Jesse Winker, really great hitting numbers. Uh, probably going to start in the All-Star game, but terrible on, on a defense. Nick Castellanos, his own teammate, comes in next at number four. Uh, really good hitting numbers also a little better on on defense still not great uh in front of them number three we are going to go with fernando tatis jr and at number two ronald acuna jr and then jacob Degrom uh for my mvp at number one i mean look when you see years where people pick pitchers to win mvp that pitcher did something out of the ordinary and was very impressive. I mean, you can't even use those adjectives to, you know, for, for, for this season that, that a Jacob DeGrom is having. I mean, he has completely exuded those adjectives and more. I mean, he, he has been, there isn't even words to explain the, level of dominance that he's had on the mound this year i mean it was what was it he has the lowest era through the first 10 starts of the season in league history yes and this is a guy who has ramped up his fastball usage from 45 percent last year to 62 percent this year he's throwing all of his breaking pitches less he literally is just saying I'm going to throw my 101-mile-an-hour fastball by you more often than not. And then I also have a 
mile an hour slider that I'll throw in there too. Not That's to mention, unfair. I have a curveball and changeup that are also filthy as well. Like the fact that he is just throwing the fastball more than he ever has by a significant amount and it's equating to this much success is amazing to me. And, you know, I think this is the one guy where you can say spin rate doesn't matter that much because he's not even in the 80th percentile for his fastball spin rate, yet he throws it harder than anyone and just completely blows guys away by LJ. I know that they do the run values for the, for the pitches here. Oh yeah. His four seam fastball this year has been at a minus 12 run value uh, in 2018, it was at a minus 24, and that was through way more plate appearances than it was this year. So he is going to have it. His his success with the fastball has been uh, insane this year. But I think that is a good spot to wrap uh, up today's show. Uh, thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the trivia contest on the Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. Check out LJ on Twitter at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafiora and check me out at Brandon underscore Karam. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Have a great day, everyone, and we will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 